Psalm chapter 18, and just the first two verses. Once you get there, if you would stand, praise the Lord. And we'll read it all together if we could. Psalm 18, verses 1 and Sorry, verses 1 through to 3, the first three verses. Let's read it together tonight. Amen. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Father, tonight we pray that you would speak to us through your word, that you would anoint it and both give us ears to hear, anoint our lips to preach. Lord, we pray tonight above everything, your name would be lifted up and glorified in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We take your seats together tonight. Praise the Lord. I want to speak just over these next number of Wednesday nights on the Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my deliverer. And there's particular areas that I'll come to uh, when I'm sharing on this. I know the Lord is just leading me into these areas uh, and, and his word. And there's particular areas that I will deal with directly um, and specifically when we look at this wonderful uh, truth tonight that the Lord is my deliverer. And the area that we'll look at tonight is the area of the mind and to know him as your deliverer in the mind. And we know uh, that the great battle that we face often as believers is the battle that takes place in the mind. Everything else is happening around us, but it really is the place where the fiery darts come, where the lies come, where the work of the enemy will come against the saints of God. But we have a deliverer and his name is Jesus. And we can in our lives come to places in our walk, in our mind, or even in our body and spirit, in our emotional being, where we need to experience afresh the delivering power of Jesus Christ. That he is a deliverer today. He's a deliverer yesterday. He was, and he is, and he is to come. He has not changed. And it's the enemy, the enemy of our souls, that would seek to bring the believer into a place of bondage or fear, a stronghold, a stronghold in the mind uh, through our failure, through habitual sin, to overwhelming oppression of the spiritual darkness, the darkness, powers of darkness that can easily find or look for a foothold in our mind. But praise the Lord, there's a power that is above all powers and that delivers men and women when that cry comes and ascends into the throne of grace. There's a great awesome, almighty power that's above all powers. That's the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. And we're reading here in Psalm chapter 18. It's a psalm, of course, of David. And King David, one of the primary characters of the Old Testament, his prayers are expressed and written for us to read here uh, throughout the Psalms and throughout his life. And they often express to us or show us the uh, battles that David had gone through, the struggles in his own life, the circumstances that he was brought through. But one thing that you can say about David, all those battles are there for us to read and, and his failures. Uh, one thing you can say about David, that he had an unwavering trust and faith in God, that his God was well able to deliver him. 
And, and friends, we don't want to overemphasize the battles or the struggle. We want to overemphasize the deliverer and his name's Jesus. We want to focus on him uh, and as much as we want to deal with the reality of the struggle, but the answer is Jesus Christ, and he is still a great deliverer. We see from an early introduction into David's life, we find this unwavering faith in God's ability to deliver him. If you go right back to the well-known story found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, again, the, the context is very well-known that Goliath the giant has come out. Israel are living in fear. The Philistines have the upper hand because of this particular giant, Goliath. David, the shepherd boy, the brethren are all up in the front line, but Israel's trembling uh, before this great giant. And then this shepherd boy, this stripling of a lad, comes uh, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 37, David begins to testify of God's great deliverance and great delivering power in his life. And this is what he says, 1 Samuel 17, 37. He said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And so we see here that the boldness, the holy boldness that David had and the experience it wasn't just a head knowledge that he had, but it was an experience in his life. He's testifying of God's great deliverance power in his life and previous experiences. And I want to encourage maybe perhaps those that are in that place tonight, maybe going through that battle, that great struggle, perhaps in your mind. But it's good to remember the great things that the Lord has done in your life in previous experiences. Has the Lord delivered you before? Well, what that proves to you, saint, tonight is because he has been a deliverer and because the word of God tells us that he's a deliverer, then tonight, praise the Lord, he's still your deliverer. He's still the great deliverer. And it's real, friends, tonight. And so David is rehearsing. That's what a testimony is. Uh, not only when we get saved, but the testimonies of the Lord. It was so precious Sunday morning as people stood to their feet and began to testify of what the Lord is doing. It brings a strength into the body of Christ as people are recalling the great testimonies of the Lord. And friends, isn't the Lord being good? Isn't there so many testimonies that we can bring into the house of God to strengthen the body of Christ? And he's saying here, listen, there was a time... He said there was a bear, but he delivered me out of the paw of the bear. And then there was a time when I faced the land. And I want to tell you something about the land. He delivered me from the very hand of the lion. The lion. And now I'm faced with this giant. And Israel are living in fear and being tormented. And he says, now the same God that delivered me from the bear and the same God that delivered me from the land is the same God that's going to deliver me from the giant. There's this simple faith that was never moved. That our God, his God, my God, and your God is still able to deliver us. If you go on down the chapter to verse 46, now he comes to the reality of face to face with his, with, with what he is facing, that is this giant. And he says, he speaks the word of the Lord. And this faith is seen in his speech. He says, this day, verse 46, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, 
deliver thee into my hand. The Lord will deliver thee, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. His trust, his trust, his faith was in his God, that his God wasn't that he wouldn't face the the, the giant, it wasn't that he wouldn't face the lion, and it wasn't that he wouldn't face the bear, but there was a faith in God that the God that he serves, he will fight the battles, and he will bring his deliverance. The Lord is our deliverer. You see in the life of David, these prayers, they're awesome. You know, it's a wonderful thing as the scripture's so honest and so open, especially into some of these lies. But if you turn over to Psalm chapter 40, again, we read into something of the inner struggle, if you like, but also the cry, uh, the reality, and then the faith that he had in God. In Psalm chapter 40 and verse 12, David says, 40 verse 12, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. I'm surrounded by innumerable evils. Mine iniquities have taken hold of me, so I'm not able to look up. They're more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth in me. And then he says, here's that's the reality of where he is, but then he says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste. In other words, Lord, come quickly. Lord, would you help me? And what he'd find is that that cry, as he cried it out unto the Lord, you know, the Lord was faithful when he cried. The Lord did come and the Lord did deliver him. You go down to verse 16, then he says, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord, let the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. It's awesome. I'm poor, I am needy, but I know the Lord's thinking towards me. Thou art my help, he says. And what does he then say? And you are my deliverer. He says, make no tiring, Lord. Don't wait. Don't delay, Lord. Oh, God, would you come? Would you deliver me? And you know what he found out? That God did come and God did deliver him. If you turn over into Psalm 144, again, some of these prayers. He, he cries out unto the Lord in Psalm 144. And he says, Blessed be the Lord my strength. Psalm 144 and verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. He's my goodness, my fortress, my high tower. He's my deliverer. He's my shield. And he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Here again, we see this unwavering faith and trust in the Lord, that the Lord is his deliverer. It was personal. Frank, could I tell you tonight that the Lord is your deliverer. If you're saved in this room and, and you are in a time of, of battle, in whatever shape or form that may be, but I just want to let you know tonight that the Lord, who was David's deliverer, is the same Lord that's your deliverer. The prophet Isaiah, of course, prophesied, and I want you to turn to it in Isaiah chapter 59. He prophesied of a day that would come. This is in, we've been looking at David in the old covenant, but here 
The prophets are prophesying, looking forward to a day that would come. There'd be a manifestation of the Messiah, that is Jesus. And the, and the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 59 and verse 20, he said these words, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. He prophesied that the Redeemer would come to Zion. Now Paul takes up this prophecy, and if you go right over into Romans chapter 11, I want to see, show you just, uh, there's a change of the wording. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, when Paul takes up this prophecy concerning the Redeemer coming, he, he adds some words to it. Romans 11:25, and here, of course, we know he's speaking of Israel. Uh, he's speaking of their blindness. He's speaking of this period of time in which we are in, that Israel's blindness is only for a season until the Gentiles, the fullness of the Gentiles, that's us, are brought in. And so he said in verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of the mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion, here's what comes, the Deliverer. And he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So here, the title that, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that Paul brings to the prophecy of Isaiah is, that there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, that's Jesus. Now, in Colossians 1 and 12, when you all, all of you who are saved in this room, I want to show you what happened about this great delivering power that we're speaking of tonight. In Colossians chapter 1, follow it through with me tonight, just this whole subject of deliverance. Colossians 1 and verse 12, but this is what literally, spiritually happened in each of our lives. All of us who are saved in this room, Colossians 1 and 12, it says these words, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse uh, 13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Out of Zion shall come a deliverer. And what will he do? He will deliver and who will he deliver? Praise the Lord, he's delivered you if you're saved. And thank God tonight he's delivered me. What from? He delivered me from the power of darkness. Now that's an awesome reality, but I think that tonight does deserve an amen. Just to let you know. I tell you, that is an awesome thought. That, the, that this, this Redeemer has come and he's delivered me and he's delivered you from the power of darkness. Can I tell you something, friend? There is not a work that you could have done. And there is no work that we can do. There is not a religion. There is not some, uh, some self-righteous act that we could ever do that we could save ourselves. But in God's mercy and in God's grace, he came to deliver us from the power of darkness. Not only bring us out of it, but this is wonderful. Look at it. The second part says, Then he had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have been delivered. 
That, that is a spiritual, fundamental, unwavering truth that we have been delivered by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the resurrection and the life, and we have been brought out of darkness. This is the miracle of the new birth and brought in to his kingdom of his own dear son. Why? Because our God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he is and always will be a great deliverer. He delivered us. We have been delivered. Now this word deliver, I want you to follow it if you can with me tonight, but this word deliver or deliverance, there are two uh, from the English word, but there are two main Greek words that are used. And I just want to focus on one for tonight and hopefully come to the other one uh, next week. But what we've been reading off here tonight in this word deliver it simply means through the idea, this word deliver or deliverance is through the idea of a rush or a draw. And it's taken from another word, another Greek word that simply means to flow or to run like a river. What happened is, and we know that river is the river of life because we were dead in sins and our trespasses, we were without hope, without Christ. We were strangers. But in the mercy of God, the wind of God, but the river of God, the life of God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ flooded into our darkened souls and we were born of the Spirit of God. The river flowed into our souls and we were birthed of God and we were delivered from the power of darkness and brought into his wonderful light. That is the delivering power of God. And it flows like a river. That's what the Greek word says. It flows like a river. It comes. And when it comes, friends, and when it floods a soul, and when someone is birthed of God, when the chains of sin are broken, when the forgiveness of sins comes through repentance and faith, when the joy, it's a river of life, it's a river of joy, it's a river of peace, it's a river of hope, but it's all in Christ, flowing by the Holy Spirit into our darkened souls, and these lives are completely transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. This is the delivering power. This Greek word is flows like a river. And the river is always symbolic, of course, of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are two laws that are working just to understand some of these battles. And, and I've been just looking at this afresh. But to understand some of these battles... There are two laws that work in the believer. There's only one law that works in those that are not saved. But in the believer, there are two laws that are working. And tonight I want to show you them so you understand some of the battles that can take place. If you turn to Romans chapter 7, Paul personally talked about these two laws, these battles. Romans chapter 7 and verse 23, Romans 7 and 23. And this is what Paul says. He says, But I see another law in my members, warring against, he talks about the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he talks about, in the old, this old man, O wretched man that I am, 
And he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Then he says these words again. He doesn't leave us there, but brings us to the hope that there is in Christ as our deliverer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, here's the two laws. There's the law of sin. So there's two laws that are functioning in the life of believer of the believer. Paul talked about the wrestle, the flesh, the spirit. One was contrary to the other. Uh, he, the things that he wanted to do, he found himself not doing. The things that he didn't want to do, he found himself. Then he ended up doing them. And so there was some great battle that was going on in the apostles. So there are two laws that he speaks of. There's the law of God and then there's the law of sin that was working in every believer. The battle between the flesh and the spirit, it's real. The flesh is rotten, it is death. And the spirit that's born again of the spirit of God, that's life, that's liberty. That's what we've been speaking about, that river that is flowing constantly in us. So Christ came as our deliverer. I want you to listen carefully because these laws are working and every believer tonight, whether you sense that or you don't, but I would say that most believers do feel it and know it to be real. There's a warfare. You may not be able to express it all, but you know there's a battle. Anybody know there's a battle? Praise the Lord. Still with me. But in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, here is revealed to us the purpose of the deliverer, that is Jesus. And this is what he says, Hebrews 2 and 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. This is speaking of our deliverer. He became flesh. And then it says this, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Praise the Lord. He destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Through what? Through his death. And then it says these words, verse 15. Look at it if you have your Bibles. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, that there is a deliverance from the fear of death. Does anybody know that our world is filled with the fear of death? It is filled with the fear of death. Now the purpose of Christ coming and his death, what's it to do? To deliver us, to deliver us from the fear of death. That we have been delivered through the death of Christ and his resurrection from the fear of death. Death has lost its sting. And so for us, it is far better. I was speaking to Brother Alex this morning, and he says, I'm just looking forward to the journey home. He says, it's going to be wonderful. I'm just looking forward to the journey, the final journey home. Don't worry about me being in the box. He says, just that final journey. He says, I'm looking forward to it. Don't know when it'll be, but I'm looking forward to it. And friends, he has delivered us from the fear of death through his death. If you go back to Romans chapter 7, and again, the first few verses, Paul begins to speak about marriage. And in the, 
in, in the context of marriage, he's speaking here of that one party is loosed from the marriage through death. In other words, Paul is going to use the marriage union as an example here of the death of Christ on the cross to explain to us our liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. And so in Romans 7 verse 4, he says, Wherefore, my brethren, you just hold this for a moment, ye also are become dead. Paul then speaks of us being dead to the law. How are we dead to the law? By the body of Christ. So remember, he's taken it in the context of the marriage union. And when one dies, then one is free to marry. Here he says, because of the death of Christ on the cross, what happens? You're free. Nothing of what you've done, nothing of what you've achieved, nothing of your works, but simply through the death of Christ on the cross, he has come. If the Son makes you free, what happens? You're free indeed. So here he talks about that ye are now dead by the law, by, by the, to the law by the body of Christ. The death of Christ delivers us from the law of sin, that you should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, and that we should bring forth the fruit unto God. So now we're understanding that this law of the flesh and the law of the spirit, the reality of it or the revelation of it comes that through the death of Christ on the cross and that reality that every believer then is freed from, from the power and from the fear and from the bondage of death. And so now we're standing in the liberty where Christ Jesus has made us free. Now there's a battle. I know there's a battle, but we have to affirm the truth of God's word. I have to affirm the truth of God's word because the battle's real. But it's in the faith that he died on the cross for me, that he was buried for me, and praise the Lord, he rose again the third day. And because of the death of Christ on the cross, then I'm loosed from the bondage of fear and from the bondage of sin. And so then that's when you come into that great chapter, Romans chapter 8, if you turn over. This is the context of what we read. There it says in Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And here it is, who walk not after the flesh. Remember, there's a law of sin that is working in our flesh. But we're walking after the Spirit with the mind and the law of God. That is the Spirit of life. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, what does it say? Say that word again. What has it made us? Free. That means, this is what the Bible says now. I want to encourage you, encourage myself, encourage us all tonight. I want to make sure you understand this. It is nothing to do with what way we feel and it has nothing to do with the thoughts that are being processed through our heads. The word of God says because of the death of Christ on the cross, because of what he has done for us, he has loosed us and we're liberated through his delivering power. And then it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now that is not just a one-off deal, but this is the truth tonight. This is 
a continual delivering power that's available for us all. Why? Because it won't be until this mortal flesh puts on immortality that this battle ceases. It's not until that day when we pass, we're absent from the body to be present with the Lord, that every one of us will have a reality of a battle with this old man. And this old man is old and he is rotten. And you will battle with this to the the day that Christ will call or come. But the truth of it is this, and this is what the devil wants to do. When we feel falter or face opposition from spiritual darkness, lies from the enemy, and then we entertain those thoughts in our old man, what happens is it like activates the spirit of law and death. Then we begin to walk, not in the liberty where Christ has made us free, but now we're walking in that law of death. We're walking in that carnal mind. And so then what happens is as we begin to walk in that, the fear comes, the condemnation comes, all the different battles come. I can go through the whole list if you want to tonight. But all of that becomes because we're not walking in the spirit but we're walking. He's drawn us into that place. The enemy is so subtle with us. He's so crafty in how he deals with us. He wants to bring us onto his ground. His ground is that deception to bring us into that place of defeat in our natural man. But thank God tonight, it's not in what we have done. We have to keep turning and saying, it's what he has done. And through his death, I'm free tonight. And I don't have to walk in this condemnation and in this death and in that law of that old man because I have been made free from the, by the delivering power of Jesus Christ. So Paul says these words in 2 Corinthians 1 and 9. If you turn over so that you see that this delivering power is a continual work of God. It's not that we're not saved or we're losing our salvation every day. God forbid But there's a continual work of God's grace in our life. We are saved. We are being saved. And ultimately one day we will be raptured to meet him in the air. Or he will call us home. But then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1 and 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves. We can't trust in that old man. The enemy wants to bring our focus on ourselves. He wants to bring our focus on our faults, on our feelings, on our weaknesses. We know we have them. Every one of us are weak and unfeeling and the outward man is perishing. And so he wants us to put our trust in our efforts. But we're not trusting in our efforts. We're not trusting in our good works. We're not trusting in our abilities. We're not trusting in any of our own self-righteousness. They're all filthy rags. We're trusting in the finished work of the cross. That's where our trust is. But in God, which raises the dead. And verse 10, if you would read it with me, he says these words, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Many people believe that tonight. He delivered us and he is delivering us. And I'm going to tell you, friend, if, if, if God gives us another day on planet Earth, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. He's still going to deliver us. He's a great deliverer. Now, the battle is real. But the deliverance is in the power of the cross. 
through the death of Christ and his resurrection. And the river of that deliverance still flows and flows here tonight. The deliverer is amongst us. He's come even in our midst. So when the mind then, and I'll come to close just in a minute. But when when our minds, and I know I'm preaching to, to, to many of the converted and people that know these experiences. But I believe it's important always to continue to expose the work of the enemy. When our mind becomes overtaken, overtaken by thoughts, by things that are contrary to the word of God. It can be, here's how that happens. It can be because we're not feeding on God's word. It can be that. It can be because we're being saturated with the spirit of this age. You know, I have just, Nikki will tell you, I've just said, I'm not listening to it. I don't want to hear. I don't want to listen to the radio. I don't want to see the headlines. I know there was a a big announcement coming and I needed to get the sort of outline in case they're coming to arrest us or something tonight. Just in case, you never know. But just, is it tonight? You know what I mean? Pack your jammies because you could be going to Magabry. But just to know that, the basics, but it's just to say, you know, I can't feed on that. I can't feed on that anymore. I don't want to listen to it anymore. And so we feed our mind. Do you know what happens then? The law, you might think this, this is a bit extreme, but see that, that, that old man, that, that law of death, that then is activated in me. And so then we know in the mind then that mind is being saturated with this stuff. And then the next minute we're being conditioned by it and then we're living in it. And we're living, and it's a bondage, and it's fear, and it's confusion. It's, like I said on Sunday morning, it's the spirit of Antichrist. And so then it brings all of that. But we have been made free. We're not part of this system. They're going to do what they do, but that's not our world. That's not our world. That's not our life. That's not our hope. That's not us, friends. We've been set free from all of this through the death of Christ. And so it's important what we feed on. It can be because of sin in our lives. It can be when we fall into sin, when we fall in perhaps even the habitual sin. And we need to talk about these things as well. It can be that because the worst thing is to be living your life in a place where you have a a, a besetting sin that constantly brings you into the law of death. Constantly to live condemned and the enemy standing on your head every day saying, You're not a Christian. You're not going to make it. You're in bondage. You've never been saved. You're not free. This is the life that you're going to live. There's no victory. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. But we got to talk about these things because, friends, there's a deliverance power available tonight. He's come to deliver us. We don't have to live in bondage. This power of Christ, when he died on the cross and he rose again, as the same power tonight, the Spirit of God that raised us from the dead, still tonight, friends, raises men from the dead, still breaks the chains of sin, still sets, we sang it tonight, still sets the captive free. His blood still avails for me. And so we can also fall into a place of Spiritual attack from the enemy. And I believe that the day we're in, and not again to overemphasize this, but to bring us to the truth and to bring us to the reality of the delivering power of Christ. 
But the enemy does go around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us he's more subtle than any beast of the field. And when he comes, and maybe it's not sin, and maybe it's not that you're feasting and all the stuff, just the stuff of the world. But friends, maybe it's just that there's a spiritual attack, a weight. Maybe it's just the darkness, the reality of a darkness that comes to the mind, a, a, a lowness in spirit, a heaviness in spirit, an attack of the enemy. It's real. It's real, saint. But you're not on your own. And so we see all these attacks. The purpose of the enemy is to bring the believer again into a place of bondage and ultimately into a place to live a life in condemnation. Christ hasn't come to give us condemnation. Christ has come to save us. Christ has come to deliver us. And Christ has come to give us the victory. So it's very real. And so like David, there's a cry that comes up even if it's faint. If it's neglect, then it's confession of sin. Because there's still a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We sang it, his mercies are new every morning. Praise the Lord. But there has to be an honesty with God. Call out to him. If it's a spiritual attack in the mind, I just want to encourage you in this saint tonight. And I do know I'm preaching from my own life, but I'm telling you when when that attack is real and it's and it's definite and it's dark. You know what's so important is to get along believers, but the enemy doesn't want you to do that. Get alongside and ask someone to pray for you, but the enemy doesn't want you to do that. You're going to battle through on your own. You can make it. Try your hardest. Try again. I tell you, friends, we can't pull ourselves up with our own shoe straps. We need the delivering power of God. And so we need the prayer of the body. Here it is. We've been talking about it. We need the prayer of the body. We need need someone to go over in the midst of a body and you say, I need prayer. And the person beside you, because they're the body, they are the body beside you. And they say, I can pray for you. And they begin to pray. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will deliver those that are in that place of oppression. And pray the delivering power of Jesus to come. What does it come like? This word deliverance, it's like a river and it begins to flow. When it comes, it breaks every chain. It sets a captive free. It restores the joy of a salvation. It gives that song and he encompasses around us with the songs of deliverance. There's victory for the believer. There's victory for the believer. Friends, I'm here to tell you very simply, there's victory for you tonight. There's victory for me. You know, every time we're just coming out of the house, you know, I'll always say, Nicky, you pray. Nicky, you'll always pray before we leave the house to come to bring God's word. You know, praying and people to pray for you. I tell you, that means more than all the money in this world. People to pray. Pray, pray. The Lord is my deliverer friends you may not even feel that tonight but you must affirm it because it's god's truth he's my deliverer i know i'm sharing this tonight because there's some here you need us to pray for you that's why that's why god has put it on my heart to bring it but i know tonight we need to pray one for another
You know, the greatest thing you can do is just to expose the enemy for what he is. He's a liar. He loves the isolation. He loves the darkness. He loves the, the struggle and the battle. I'm going to tell you, friends, don't struggle and battle with him. Just give it over to your great deliverer tonight. And he's able to deliver you. He's still a deliverer. He really is. And if you need that deliverance tonight, just that fresh touch of the Lord, you need that in your soul, in your mind, in your spirit, you need it tonight, friend. Then we're going to pray and believe God together. God, bring that great deliverance afresh. Amen. Let's pray together tonight. Praise the Lord.